Well, hello and good morning. I was worried my TV wasn't coming on there for a second. I was going to have to fix something. Good morning, good morning. Congratulations to all of our graduating seniors. And I know this was the high school seniors. We have several college graduates also, so congratulations to all of you. What an exciting time of life and scary time of life. Now it's really time to get to work, okay? <laughs> like, it's all exciting, and then, man, it's, it's tough after that too, right? Uh, that's a whole different sermon for another time, though. But right now, uh, welcome everybody. Welcome everybody watching online. Uh, my name is Taryn Howell. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and I'm so glad to have you here with us this morning. We're in the middle of a series, really kind of getting to the end of a series called Jesus Is. And we started this on Good Friday, and this is really all, all about who Jesus is. But the, the question we've asked is, who is Jesus to you? And this is the question we've kind of stuck on and sat with and let resonate with us for a while. And so that's what we're talking about today is who is Jesus to you? And I, I pray that you've been encouraged and that you've grown through this and been challenged maybe and seen Jif Jesus in some different ways than you have before. It's been a long series, and so you may be thinking, when are they going to stop talking about Jesus? And I just want you to know, never. Okay, we're never going to stop talking about Jesus. Yeah, there you go. Okay, <laughs> applaud for that too. Uh, but let's go ahead, before I get into it, if you'll bow your heads with me and pray before we begin. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for each and every single person that is in this room listening and for every person who is online listening. Uh, God, I pray that they be blessed through this message, that it not be my message, but that it be your message to each of their hearts and minds, that each person here and each person listening is encouraged by what they hear to follow you more, to serve you more, to fall in love with you over again. We thank you for all that we have. It's all because of Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. If you will, you can open up your Bibles uh, to Colossians. That's where most of our uh, verses and scripture are coming from today. But I got, I got to give you a little bit of history. Don't worry, I won't make it <clears throat> too long because I don't like that much history either. But before we get into it, a little bit of history. So Paul is the author of the letter Colossians or the book of Colossians that's in our Bible. And this is a letter that he wrote while he was in prison. It's called one of the prison epistles. It just means he wrote it while he was in prison. Uh, we call it the book of Colossians. It was his letter to the church in Colossae, and, and it was to the people there. Now, when he wrote this, he wasn't just writing this in a vacuum, and it wasn't just like, hey, I'm going to send some random thoughts here. He wrote with very much intention and thought and purpose, inspired by the Holy Spirit and his words. But he wrote to attack some thinking that was happening. So the church, you know, it was fairly new and uh, they were, things were getting started and going well, but then they had all these people who were these, some of them religious elite people who were coming in and they were well-educated and very literate, and, but they, they were educated in the ways of the world, but not necessarily in Jesus. And they began telling the Colossian church that you got to do things a little differently. And so they would say, they had this, what I, I'm going to call this, it's Jesus plus theology. And that's just my words. But they, they would come in and say, look, Jesus is good. Like Jesus, he, he's, he's okay. Like I, we're all about Jesus here. But, uh, you know, you still have to really follow all of the old Jewish laws. Like he didn't, he, you know, you still got to, you got to have Jesus, but plus you have to have all of this back here. Or some of them said that Jesus, the thought was, Jesus is an angel. 
And he was a good angel, but he's an angel. So he's this created being, not that he was God in flesh, uh, but he's this created being. Some people said to really follow Jesus, to have salvation, or maybe just to have completeness or fulfillment in life, you got to have Jesus, but then you have to have these kind of severe disciplines. And they would, they would do things to their body, or they would say, you got to fast in a certain way, or you got to have, and like, you got to have it just right. And it was really this sense of legalism and sense of like, you got, Jesus is great, but throw all these other things in. And the big one, the big one was, you got to have Jesus, but uh, you also have to be circumcised. This was for the men. You have to be circumcised. And so Paul writes this letter, and that may sound weird, circumcision. It's talked about a lot in the Old Testament, and so it was part of the Old Covenant, and Jesus came in and fulfilled that covenant. Um, and so, but Paul writes this letter to combat these things. Now, I just always find this a little humorous to me. Okay, this is the way my brain works, if y'all just forgive me, okay? But imagine being the guy who gets circumcised on Wednesday, and then you get the letter on, or like on Friday or something. You're like, come on, Paul, what were you thinking? You could have written this a little, no, nobody else. They're just me. Okay, that's, I'm sorry. I'm just, Jesus, if you can help me out here, okay. No, no. But, you know, this, this is what he did. Paul wrote this to kind of to wake them up to who Jesus really is. And, you know, this sounds a little crazy to us, I think. We, we don't look at this and we're like, well, we don't think that you need to be circumcised. We don't think that, like, that's the requirement to have salvation or fulfillment or that you have to follow these Jewish laws or you have to, whatever the thing is. But we do live like this. Like, we do this same thing. We think... To have fulfillment in life, and we may not even ever say this, but we, we live like it, we act like it. To have fulfillment or completeness or salvation at times, we got to have Jesus, but we got to have whatever this is also. So I brought a little illustration here, and just, y'all don't make fun of my illustration, okay? I, I went and just gathered things around the church. I'd used not a single tithing dollar to make this illustration happen, so you'll be, you'll be happy to hear that. But for some of us, and so it's grad Sunday, so I'll, I'll start with y'all, and maybe not y'all necessarily, my little string fell off, but maybe it's like, when I get my diploma, then I'll have real fulfillment in life. Then my life will be complete. Or when I get that first job, and it's easy for those of us who have passed that and be like, no, you won't. <laughs> you know, that doesn't work like that. But it, that, we, we get this in our mind, and we do this with things. When I get there, then, uh, and you can even picture yourself and walking across the stage or starting a job, and life's going to be so grand and wonderful and complete. Or maybe, maybe it's not that. Maybe this is where my props get a little more ridiculous. Maybe it's a car, Okay. This is a pretty rad car right here. I don't know. I mean, that's, you know, that's, okay, maybe it's a car or, and I know some of you is like, car is not my thing at all, but I remember I, I could picture myself driving a certain vehicle when I was younger, and I was like, oh, so excited about it. But I, I think it's more than just a car. A car is just about stuff. Like our stuff brings fulfillment, the things that we can buy. So I'll just relate this to, to money, okay? Okay. Um, you know, the, the things that we can buy, this will bring fulfillment to us. And this is a tough one here because we know that that's not true at all. Like logically, we, we can 100% say that doesn't work. We can give that as advice to somebody else. But we feel a lot more secure with ourselves when we've got a little money in the bank or retirement. And I'm going to tell you, I've read the Bible from, you know, Genesis to maps to Revelation. Uh, it, and... 
And I'm telling you, it, there, I can't even find in there where, where it talks about saving up for retirement. I can't. It, the, Bible, the Bible, when it talks about money, it's like, give it away. Go help people with it. And we think that, man, my fulfillment, my life is going to be good. My life is going to be complete. I'll have what I want. Then I'll be satisfied when I get whatever it is. Okay, and then we have, uh, oh, it, it's, the props are downhill from here. Okay, so maybe you're single, and you think, if I can just find a man, okay? So, this is all I could find. Okay, I'm sorry. You may be disappointed at, you know, the height, I guess, comparison here. So you're, you're single, and you think, when I can find a man, or maybe you're a single man, and when I can find a woman, and we can get married, then, then my life will be fulfilled, my life will be complete. You know, the Bible actually says it's better to be single so that you can focus on Jesus more, right? Uh, my life will be complete whenever I can get married. And then you get married, and that's not very fulfilling because, um, because life is hard. And you think, you know what we need to do? Add a baby, right? Okay, like that's what you got to do is add a baby to it. And then it's really complete. And you take a, a toxic relationship and add a child in. Oh, man. You want to you talk about making it more toxic, right? And so... Then you get to this space and you think, well, we're married and I'm still not happy and I still don't have fulfillment and my life still isn't where it needs to be. And so now my life will be complete when I get divorced. Okay? <laughs> Listen, this is, this is the thought that we have, as crazy as this sounds. And, and this is what we battle against. Okay, here's my, here's, I'm, I'm getting low on, on props here. But the other one I have is social media. Your phone, your amount of likes that you get, this is, may not be a big one for you, for our younger generation. This is huge. This is huge. And your, their day will depend. My day will be good because I had a post that a lot of people liked, or my day is bad because I had a post that a lot of people didn't like. And they will alter the way that they post and what they post and change their standards on what they post because they want to feel liked and loved by people. And this never, never will bring fulfillment. The other one is maybe your political party. Okay, see, this is good. This is quality. Okay. If you don't think this is good, there's something wrong with you. Okay, you got to check yourself. Now, we think if when the right person is sitting in the White House, when my people are, you know, in charge, that's when life is good. And Paul, when he writes this letter, says none of these things will bring fulfillment. None of these things will bring fulfillment. If you're trying to find fulfillment in these, you will constantly, constantly fail. And he says in Colossians chapter 2, 6 through 10, and I've got sermon notes if you want to follow along. <clears throat> and now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him. And let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught. And you will overflow with thankfulness. These are, these are just incredible verses here. Really focus in on the words. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. 
this nonsense that we hear that comes from either what, what's in our brains or what Satan, the, the spiritual powers of this world, puts in our brains. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you also are complete. This is, this is the word here. You are complete with what? With all of your stuff in my marriage. In, nope, you are complete through your union with Christ who is the head over every ruler and authority. It's all about Jesus. You want to find fulfillment, salvation, completeness, wholeness, whatever it is, it's all in Jesus. It, that's where it starts and where it ends is him. And I think part of our, our problem in this, well, part of, the, part of the problem is that whenever we try to make it about something else, we really cheapen who Jesus is. Not that we can cheapen who Jesus is, but cheapen who Jesus is in our minds. And this is why Paul also wrote and gave, he gave one of the clearest pictures to this church in this letter of who Jesus is. So we're going to go kind of back a chapter here. Listen, and, and this is, like if you hear nothing else today, just focus on Paul's words here about who Jesus is. It's really incredible. He says in chapter 1, Verses 15 through 22, he said, the son, so talking about Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. This word image is really an interesting word. It really, probably the closest to, to way to uh, say it to us now is a portrait. This is a portrait of God. So if somebody were to draw out the characteristics, it would be this. They would also use uh, this, in a, like a, this word in a legal trade. And so, like, it, let's say... Bob over here was going to come and buy something from Taryn from me, and he's buying my two cows, because I guess that's what they trade. I don't really know. But he's buying something from me, and I owe him money. So he's given me the money. I owe him the cows, and so he'd write it down, and they didn't have like any forms of ID and driver's license, social security number. So they would write out the image or portrait of me to know that this is the person who owes me that. And so they would probably write out like, he's super handsome and massive biceps and stuff, you know. And, yeah, and, and, and so he, they'd write out something to des describe who, who I am in this. And this is what it's saying is the sun is the image of the invisible God. Whenever you're writing out a picture of what God the Father looks like, you see Jesus. It's Jesus. He's the picture of God. He's the firstborn over all creation. For in him, all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth. And so this is where Paul says he's not an angel. He wasn't created. He was, took part in the creation. Visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. He's top above it all. There's, there's nothing that is above Jesus. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. So here he even adds on a little bit. He's like, it's not just a portrait of God. This was the fullness of God that was in Jesus. And through him, all the fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you, that was supposed to say, uh, were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you 
through Christ's physical body, through death, to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. Paul's words here give you such a clear picture. It's actually, it's too much almost for us to be able to fully comprehend. Like the, the more I get to know Jesus, the more I read his word, the more I get a clearer picture of who God is. But I, I think we will not understand the majesty and the amazement of Christ until we see him face to face. And so Paul gives this incredible picture. And so my, my word for us today is that Jesus is sufficient. Jesus, he, he is sufficient. He is enough for anything. Uh, one of my favorite preachers I love to listen to, uh, his name is Matt Chandler. He says, in regards to this scripture, and I'm just stealing this right from him because it's so wonderful, but he says, there's nothing above him. There's nothing else to gain. There's nothing else to get. The goal, the end, what it's all about is Jesus. Following Jesus is not going to make you wealthy. Following Jesus does not guarantee that you're going to be healthy. The message of Scripture and the gospel of Christ is not that in following him everything goes right, but that he is enough no matter what happens. No matter what, no matter our circumstances, no matter what we're facing, no matter our sin, no matter the pain that we have caused in our lives or other people's lives, Jesus is enough. And you know, this is, this is so important to see Jesus in this way because if we don't, we're really not following him. We're following a different picture of him. We're following this kind of made-up version that we have of him. It's so important to see him in this way. And here, here's what I, th- these three points that I have, you can flip your sermon notes over. Here's, here's what I think the real issue is here, is that when we don't understand the, the sufficiency of Christ, when we don't see Christ for who he really is and for what we really did, we respond in ways that are not correct. Like then we miss it because we don't get who he is. So here's just three of the ways that I have that we respond incorrectly when we don't get this. But there's probably a lot more than that. I'm sure there's a lot more than that. So the first one is when we don't understand the sufficiency of Christ, then we work to earn our salvation. We work to earn our salvation. We think then that our salvation is based on our good deeds, and I know we hear this a lot, you know, we hear this in church, and we, you can read this in the Bible, but then we still just think it. We think, like, I'm more saved when I've had a really holy day, and I'm less saved when I haven't. And what it does is it, it cheapens what Jesus did on the cross. It says, you know, Jesus, we really appreciate you going to the cross on our behalf, that was great and all, but what you did was really not enough, because if you knew my sin, if you knew what I dealt with, then uh, I just don't know. And I, I think we, we miss the picture of Jesus in this. We live as though he is not good enough that we have to come in and earn something and do something different. The next one, what, when we don't understand the sufficiency of Christ, is we try to become oh, self-sufficient. I'm sorry, I missed this verse here, but that's all right. We'll, we'll move it on. Uh, we try to become self-sufficient. Uh, this is uh, something that my wife and I, we, we always talk about as one of the goals for parenting. And maybe self-sufficient isn't the best word. Maybe it's like self-absorbed. We, may, we just become about ourselves. In parenting, though, my wife and I have this goal. We heard it from this 
preacher a long time ago, and it just stuck with us so well. And he said, the goal of parenting is not to make your kids independent. And I was like, what? I feel like that is the goal. He says, the goal of parenting is not to make your kids independent. It's to teach them that, uh, to transfer the dependence from you onto Christ. So that they learn that, okay, I don't have to be dependent on mom and dad anymore. I have to be dependent on Jesus. And that if I try to be independent, then it's about my power and my ability and how smart I am and how good I am and how wonderful I am. And it's like, no, it's all about how good Jesus is. Because if we do this and it's based on our own ability, then it, then it begins to build pride in us. And, and it's all about me and life is about me. And listen, we, we do this even, even in the church, we do this. And I'm not, I don't want to... I don't want to go into this. I'm not attacking anybody here, but we, man, we can really be guilty of this. I know I'm very guilty of this. That we come to church and our thought is, how is the church going to serve me today? Like we have the audacity to say that instead of saying, Jesus, what am I to do for you today? How do I lay my life down for you as you have already done this for me? And this is just one way that we do it. And y'all, I'm, I'm preaching to myself here, okay? So if you're guilty of this too, that's okay. Just you're right along with me. But Tyler will be up here singing with his, you know, the, the worship team. And thank y'all so much. Y'all do a wonderful job using your gifts to glorify God. They're up here singing. And if you've ever had this thought of, you know, Tyler, I really like that first and second song. But that third song, that really wasn't for me. None of them are for you, okay? They're all for God, right? None of them. If you make it for you, then you've missed it, okay? None of the songs that are sung here, we're not singing to you, we're not singing to me, we're singing to God. But we get this in our minds that it's about us because we forget how good the one is that we're worshiping and how mighty he is, how he is sufficient for all of our needs, for everything, and so our response is to just come in here and say, God, you are worthy, and I'm not. You, you have it all. I surrender everything to you. And this is, a, this is a daily, hourly sometimes thing that we have to do. I know I do. I'm like, all right, God, I really messed up yesterday, so today I'm just surrendering again. Help me, help me to see you for who you are today, God. And then last but not least, when we don't understand the sufficiency of Christ, we believe an abundant life is found elsewhere. I know I talked about this some with the stuff that we have up here, this illustration that I have, my wonderful props, right? Um, we believe an abundant life is found somewhere else. Jesus' words in John 10.10 are, The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And you may think, well, wait, I thought you just said that following Jesus doesn't make you happy. But I'd say it does give you joy. And joy is, is no matter your circumstances, right? The best example of this that I can see in the Bible is from our apostles. And there's probably a, a, another example somewhere. The apostles in Acts 5, I love this. They are, the, the church is beginning to grow and spread. So this is Acts, if you, if you don't know, this is Jesus has died, he was, he was crucified, he raised from the dead, the beginning of the church starts, the Holy Spirit comes on the apostles, and the church begins to spread like wildfire. It, it, it's amazing. You should read Acts, it's wonderful. Um, but during this time, 
because the church was spreading, it began to get more attention, and so persecution began to happen in even a greater way. And the apostles in Acts 5 experience some of this. It says they called in the apostles. This is some, a religious elite call in the apostles and had them flogged. So they had them, they were beaten with a cane or whip or something. And then, then they ordered them never again to speak in the name of Jesus and they let them go. But the response is amazing. The apostles left the high council rejoicing. It's like, all right, my leg is broken and my spine is hanging out here and, you know, th- but... Yes, they're rejoicing. God, because God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. You see, they, even in the middle of this, they experienced an incredibly abundant life. You, you couldn't tell them that they, like, who would want that? You, know, you, couldn't, you couldn't explain that to them, that your life is an abundant, look, you're suffering persecution, you got this going on. And they're saying, no, 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 I have Jesus. That's it. That's, he's the end, he's the goal, he's what I need. And then every day in the temple, and from house to house, they continued to preach and teach this message, Jesus is the Messiah. Not only did persecution actually not slow down what they did, it, it actually caused the church to spread even more. And, you know, I pray for faith like this because I think that's, I, I'm just, I'm not there you know, I want to be there. I want to have this, and I want us as a church to have this. This faith that no matter what we face, we see Jesus is sufficient in all things. The last point that I have that kind of sum up everything is we've done this because Jesus is statements throughout this. And so I have, because Jesus is sufficient, I'm content in him alone. Now, I'm not really content in him alone. I'm learning this, okay? I'm, I'm speaking it into existence for us all, right? We're, we're moving towards this, that we will see Jesus as content, no matter what we're facing, no matter what's going on. And I, I know that there are some different people in here, different groups. Maybe you're with us for the very first time. You don't know anything about Jesus. I'm so glad that you're here um, because my message to you would be that Give your life to the Lord. Jesus is enough. Find that abundant life in him. Find salvation in him. For those of you who have given your lives to the Lord and are following him, and I would just, I'd encourage you, look at the areas in your life that you're having the hardest time with. I can almost guarantee that if you, if you just see it as Jesus is sufficient in this area, whatever I'm chasing after, whatever I'm trying to do here, not that we shouldn't have goals and dreams. I'm not saying any of that. Those are all good. But that Jesus is sufficient no matter what, no matter what's going on in my life. It's the last thing I want to read to you, and then I'm just going to close this out in a prayer. It says, Jesus Christ is completion. He cannot learn anything as he has complete knowledge. He is not created as he has always been. He does not need to submit to anyone as he is in charge over all powers, kingdoms, rulers, authorities, and governments, all things in heaven and on earth and under the earth. His word is supreme. It doesn't need added to or taken away from. He heals the lame. He walks on water. He creates life. He raises people from the dead. He puts bodies back together. There is nothing he cannot do outside of sin. 
He is just and demands justice. He is not just enough. He is more than enough. He is enough in such an unfathomable way that we cannot grasp how good Jesus really is. Our response to his goodness is simply to know him and worship him. Let's pray.